Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. You know, it's so good, and I, I just this is just an intro uh, to where I'm going, but you know, speaking things, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And uh, you can speak to your mountain, not think it's gone, but speak to it. Very important. Words are very, very important to shaping relationships, attitudes, all those kinds of things. In your worst hour, don't talk about how bad it is. Say, boy, I can't wait till the next hour. Things are getting ready to get better. I'm going from glory to glory. God's a good God. It's declaring what you want to see, not what you're currently seeing. Matter of fact, one translation says, God speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they've already passed. If we're called to be God-like, then we should say what God says. So I encourage you to do that. This Friday night at 6.30, we're combining everything together, 50s plus fellowship, men's breakfast, 6.30 right here. Uh, outside on our lot. We'll cook all the food. You don't have to bring anything. It's, it's all free. And so just come with your family. We, we don't have any child care. We have something for youth. And there will be, uh, again, it's 50s plus, men's breakfast. So I just decided to invite everybody. And, uh, <laughs> but we need you to sign up when you leave so we'll have the right amount of food. So at the welcome kiosk, once you get ready to leave, and hopefully it won't be during the sermon because you probably won't want to come Friday if you're that mad at me. So anyway, uh, just um, go, sign up, and, and we'll have enough food there, okay? So uh, anyway, turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to uh, Genesis chapter 37. I'll get there in just a moment. I'm going to talk about something today that I think probably is one of our greatest challenges in life, not just as Christians and believers, but e- even as non-Christians, maybe more so. But I've actually seen a lot of believers, when you get saved, there's this expectation when someone gets saved that they're going to be immediately changed. And salvation is a, a, a more vertical, sanctification is more horizontal. In other words, when I confess Christ as Lord of my life, everything doesn't change overnight. In other words, I don't start acting like the person I have become. It's a lifelong journey. And so what I've seen in churches is when somebody gets saved, older people, religious people, if you will, have this expectation that you're supposed to automatically be immediately renewed. And I've seen people do that, but it's rare. And so what happens is you get offended by people that get born again and come to the church that don't act the way you think they ought to act. Without looking in the mirror and realizing you don't always act the way you ought to act either. And I don't always act the way I ought to act either. And so as a result of that, this unmet expectation creates an immediate frustration which leads us to being offended. Being offended is a root cause of so many other manifestations or behavioral manifestations in our lives. Uh, you know, I, I love counseling. If, if I had the money, I'd be in counseling every week. I just love it. You say, well, you're a sicko. That's why I'm in counseling. Uh, but I, I enjoy it because I get a perspective that, that I wouldn't otherwise get, an honest perspective that, that helps me to want to change. 
So, you know, used to if someone was in counseling, you really did think they were sick, when in reality, I think everybody needs a counselor. That's why the Holy Spirit's called a counselor, is, is we need help. And, and so the problem is that most of us in life are looking at others, expecting others to make our lives better. And that expectation, when it goes unmet, we get offended. And I believe offense is a root cause. And I learned in counseling that anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. So if someone is angry, that's a surface situation. There's something below that that uh, causes their anger to, to come out. So for one, fear. Oftentimes when people experience a great uh, uh, thrust of fear, they get angry. But they're really the root cause of that is fear. And also... Uh, the root cause may be that you're offended at someone, so now you're angry because someone offended you. As a pastor of many, many, many years, longer than I ever thought I would make it, uh, I have experienced a, a lot of this in, in, in that when a pastor preaches a message and it lands on somebody and, and they think that I'm speaking, I, speaking to them, I was literally speaking to an audience of about 5,000 one time, and uh, after I finished the sermon, I was in the lobby mingling and greeting people. And this person came up to me and swore that I was talking about them. I didn't even know who they were. And, and I thought, wow, they were offended by what I said because they thought I was talking about them when real reality God was talking to them. And oftentimes when someone says something we don't like, we immediately take offense and we get angry or we get hurt or we get bitter, or we get unforgiving. And in reality, you say, well, but they shouldn't have said that. Maybe they shouldn't have said that, but they did say that, and now you have the power to choose how that's going to land on you. I was preaching right here in this auditorium one time, and, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit Peter Panish. I just don't ever want to grow up. Now, I want to mature, but I don't want to grow up. I like having fun, and I've heard it said, you know, dress for your age, you, you shouldn't wear these kinds of clothes. I'm thinking, I'm going to wear whatever I want. I'm dressing according to how I feel, not my number. And so, I kind of like, maybe it's because I grew up poor and I had tattered jeans when I was a kid, so I kind of like tattered jeans today, because I got used to them as a kid. And now you pay quadruple the amount of money, we used to throw them away when they look like I wear them now. And so I was wearing them one day, and, and, and somebody came up to me afterwards, and they at least had the courage to tell me that first they didn't like it until after they heard the sermon. I thought, why would you be offended over my clothing? Really? You must have a very boring life. <laughs> I'm just thinking, why do we care so much about what other people say, what other people look like, how other people dress? Why do we care? I've got enough problems of my own. I don't need yours. But I oftentimes make yours mine if I'm having a moment of insecurity or, uh, you know, I, and people oftentimes come up and say, I hope I didn't offend you. Well, I decided some years ago when I, I, I won't give the name, but I remember the person who said this, and I'd never heard this scripture before in Psalm 119, 165. And you guys have heard me quote this for years, and I will continue to quote it the rest of my life. Great peace have those who love the law of God. Nothing shall offend them. So uh, if, if you... You have peace if you love the Word of God more than the Word of man. Great peace have those who love the law or the Word of God. Nothing shall offend them. Why? Because you're not listening to the opinions of others. 
you're living your life free of that opinion. And pastors are often criticized for what they say, what they wear, what they drive, all those things. And, and years ago, it used to bother me. And, and, and I, I could be offended, but when somebody comes up and says, you know, I hope I didn't offend you or hope not, you can't offend me because I choose not to be offended. You can say whatever you want to say. It may be mean, it may be cruel, it may be unkind. And you say, well, they shouldn't have said that. Maybe they shouldn't have. Or, or maybe God's using them to give me a test. And if I pass the test, I get to go to the next grade or the next level. See, sometimes people don't mean things the way they're saying them, and sometimes they do. But what does it really matter? If you want to live a peaceful, joyful life, don't live your life offended, expecting other people to love you, like you, or say kind things to you. Because oftentimes people have bad days, and sometimes people just have a bad life. And they want you to have one with them. And you get to choose to have one with them or not have that with them. Some people are just bitter. They're always negative. They're always hateful. They're always angry. And, 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 and you know, you, you take it personal that they're always saying things. Don't take it personal, but show them how to get through it. When people are negative, I don't do negative. I don't, I don't do negative. I have the potential to do negative. Actually, I have the great potential to do negative. It's a part of my great fallen nature that I grew up with. And so, I, but I, I didn't like it, but I didn't know how to overcome it. Any ever been there? I don't like the way I am. I don't like the way I think, but I don't know how to overcome it. I have learned and am continuing to learn how to address the negativism, the hate, the opinions, and the criticisms in a way that is redemptive. And that I want to always be able to love those who are critical of me, those who are mean to me, those who say unkind things. Because the reality is, just because they're hurting doesn't mean I have to. Just because they're offended doesn't mean I have to be offended. You know, you've heard it said, people who uh, hate, hate others. Uh, people who are offended, offend others. Hurting people hurt people. And so when someone's hurting, they may not by design want to hurt you, but because hurt is in them, it's what comes out of them. And it lands on you, and you have to determine what you're going to do with what's landed on you. So in, in Genesis chapter 37, uh, you can turn there, and I don't think we had this because I, I got up this morning and this thought came to me, so it's not our tech guy's fault, it's mine. Uh, it says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Jacob and Israel are interchangeable. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph, which is also Jacob. You, you read the Bible. I don't have time to explain it all. More than any of his other sons. Because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him a richly ornamented robe. When he, his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, some of you may remember the story, and uh, basically, uh, Joseph had a dream that his brothers would bow down to him at a certain time. He shared that dream, and his brothers already hated him. They were already offended by the father's love for him, and now he's sharing a dream that's even going to make them more irritated, more frustrated, and more offended. 
Now, here's the reality in life. The Bible says that all of us are going to die. None of us get out of this thing alive. Not one of us. So, I, over the years, have discovered that the reality is that Satan is not after this. He's after what's on the inside of me. The contents that God put in me. Now, some of you know that I drink Red Bull, for which I've been criticized for about 20 years now. You've never asked me how many Red Bulls I drink a week. I drink one. I do it for you. I need the energy. Well, don't you trust God? Yeah, I do. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Red Bull. And so, but, but the reality is, I, I don't, I like the taste of them. It's really not, I enjoy the taste, but I know they're unhealthy. You know, I don't get out of this alive. So if I want to speed up my death by six months to a year, what's that to you? Seriously. You know, and then we, we, we're looking around, and, and we want the best for everybody else, but when somebody doesn't want the best that you're offering them, don't get mad at them and don't get offended that they don't want your best and don't get offended that I drink Red Bull. It's a waste of your time. And when I die and you want to stand over my grave and say something mean, I will not hear you. So, ha-ha. I told you you're not going to die early. I'm with Jesus. Who cares? Pay your bills. I'm done. Send me electric bill. I'm not paying. I'm with Jesus. All this to say that we get irritated. Now, this Red Bull, this can is not really what's important. What's inside the can is what's important. Don't take this wrong. Don't be offended. You're not important. What's inside you is what's important. Gravity is going to have its way with your body. I look in the mirror every day and go, really? Who is that? It's the furniture disease in most people's life. Your chest done fell in your drawers. And so, it's all like pulling down on us. And we care about this, and we do. We all try to, thank God, we, we try to groom, we try to look nice. And that's all wonderful, but the reality is, what's going on right now in your life, what's more important is what's in you, not this. If this goes south and it is going there more rapidly than ever, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer it gets to the end, the faster that sucker runs out. And so we need to treasure what's in here. If I could get people to, to look and say, what, what's, what's going to help me have a, a happy life? Your physique or your soul? Trust me, your soul is more important than your physique. Now, I know that this is a carrier of what's in you, and, it, and being healthy is a part of that. I'm all about that. But the reality is that it's what's going on in here. Little did Joseph's brothers know that his dream would impact them. You see, we all have choices to make every day. That we are to be led by the Spirit Galatians says that we will not carry out the desires of 
our flesh. The desires of the flesh are not just sexual. There's, there's bitterness, there's unforgiveness, there's offenses. There are all these different things that affect our lives, our attitudes. And so it's been my quest for probably 30 years to keep great peace because of the Word of God so that I shall not be offended. You see, if somebody can offend you, they have just or you have removed the opinion, the Word, the Spirit of God off the throne of your soul, and you've allowed someone else to sit there. So if I get offended, I'm not thinking about God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking about you, and quite frankly, I don't want to think about you. And I don't want you to think about me. There's a good chance that every time I preach, I might say something that lands on you wrong. And you can think, he intended to do that, and there may be a day that I did. Just being honest, I might have been having a bad moment, and I just took a shot. Didn't want to, but I'm just so human. But most of the time, what I say, I'm not trying to point anybody out. I'm just challenging us to live the kind of life that makes us at peace and filled with joy. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm old enough now to not be as insecure as I once was, to really trust God. You see, most people don't have a difficult time loving God. Most of us have a difficult time trusting God. And you say, well, how much do I really trust God? Well, you can go through all the, the litany of things that go on in your life every day. So, well, boy, I really love Jesus, but do I trust Him to give me the promotion that, that I wanted or give me the car or the house? Or do I trust Him with my job? Do I trust Him with my kids? Do I trust Him with my... Do I trust God? Because there's one way to tell if you trust God. If you worry a lot, you don't trust God. Now, that's not a condemnation. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying that's one measurement, way to measure. Do I worry or do I trust? Because if you worry, it typically means you don't trust. Now, we all fight it. There's no question about it. But we're going to be much happier and filled with joy if we learn to trust Him. One person said, He who takes offense when offense was not intended is a fool. Yet he who takes offense when offense is intended is even a greater fool. For he has succumbed to the will of his adversary. So if, if in fact you intended to offend me and I receive it, it's more foolish of me than if you didn't mean it. You didn't get invited to a party. Somebody else got a new car, you didn't. Somebody else got a promotion that you wanted and that you didn't. You're all of a sudden offended that you were overlooked. Let me say this to you. There are times that you will not get a promotion because God looks ahead and says that would not be a fit for you. I was listening to, when I work out, I usually listen to sermons. I don't listen to Eye of the Tiger, you know, like everybody's working. I'm listening to somebody inspiring my soul. And there was a man who had, for most of his life, uh, been a part of an accounting firm in a smaller community and was offered this big position in Houston, Texas. And... Uh, I mean, it, they were rolling out the carpet because he had been so diligent, so good with his small little company that he had, and, and he was doing well. So he went to my friend's church and asked my friend if he'd pray for him. He said, I've got this interview. And uh, 
So he went to the interview. Everything looked great. They liked him. It, 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 every indication was that they wanted him. So they flew him back in a second time. He came to my friend's church, said, pray for me. This is my second interview. Things are looking up. Well, after this interview, he didn't hear from them for a while. And finally, when he did, he didn't get the job. And he was so depressed, so downcast. I don't think he was offended, but he was really hurt. Well, come to find out, the company that wanted to hire him was Enron. He would have lost everything. It looked like the promotion that he was supposed to get with his big company looked like everything that he'd ever dreamed of, but God looked ahead. He could have been offended. He could have been hurt. He could have been angry, but he said, Wow, God protected me. Sometimes when you get offended by something that happens or didn't happen, it's because God is protecting you from what could happen if you ended up getting what you thought you wanted. Or maybe somebody tells you the truth about something. Something in your life that, that they're directed because they love you and you're, they're your friend. It goes back to the Bible, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Sometimes when God's doing something good, sparks are flying. And he's not trying to destroy you, he's trying to help you. I'll never forget one time I was with a friend of mine and he was the uh, president of a, a, a Bible college and, and uh, he and I were having a hard time getting together. We were growing a church and he was doing his thing and I said, you know, I really, really want, we finally got together. I said, man, I really want, want, want to get with you and, and I would love to see you. And he said, no, you don't. And it hit me just for a second and I went, he's right. Because if I really wanted to, I would. Why? Because we always find the time to do the things we really want to do. He was honest enough to challenge me, don't ever say that to anybody again. Because if I really want to do something, I'm going to find time to do it. Now, I could have been offended by that comment, but I chose not to be. I chose to let it land on me. I absorbed it. I'm not boasting, but it was one of the first times after I had heard Psalm 119, 165, that I had the opportunity to practice not being offended. Another person says, when we believe or say we've been offended, we usually mean we feel insulted, mistreated, snubbed, or disrespected. And certainly, clumsy, embarrassing, unprincipled, and mean-spirited things do occur in our interactions with other people that would allow us to take offense. However, it is ultimately impossible, ultimately is impossible for another person to offend you or to offend me Indeed, believing that another person offended us is fundamentally false. To be offended is a choice we make. It is not a condition inflicted or imposed upon us by someone or something else. So please embrace this today. Get this. Your spouse says something and, and you got offended. It was your choice. It was not his or her power. It was the authority you gave to the comment that caused you to be offended. You'll live a free life, a happy life. I'm just telling you, if you take what I'm saying right now and you'll begin to put this into practice because when you leave here, there is a really, really good chance you're going to get to practice what I'm talking about. This is academic. This is educational. I promise you. And, you know, I still have my weak areas. Mine is driving. I think 80% of the people who have a license shouldn't have one. And, and, you know, and it's a great weakness for me because I started racing when I was 16 years old. 
and and I learned to drive. And so I really learned to drive. I don't think there ought to be defensive driving schools. I think there ought to be offensive driving schools. Because the people on offense are the ones that score. And so every now and then I go, wow, did you really just do that? And then it's like you take it personal, like they knew it was me and they pulled over in front of me anyway. They don't know you exist. That's why they pulled over in front of you. (laughs) Whenever you give someone else that kind of authority, it removes the Spirit of God off the throne of your soul and puts them there. I had someone come up to me after the 9.30 and said, I'm sorry if I ever offended you. I thought, did you listen to my message? (laughs) I just thought, I'm curious because I don't get offended. Now, I can get agitated a little bit or irritated, but when it lands on me, I go, hold it. Don't take this personal. Don't take this personal. Over the last 20-some years that I drank Red Bull, I've had people come up and tell me the reasons I shouldn't. I'm not going to change that because it's just your opinion. My opinion is... Yeah, it's probably bad. Um, Sure tastes good, though. All I'm saying is this. People are going to dress differently than you. They're going to look differently than you. The problem we have in our society today... It's much bigger than a racial battle. It's a soul battle. It's a soul battle. We just can't handle it when somebody looks different than us or dresses different than us or has a different opinion than us, a different idea than us. That's a problem. And if we all just said, I'm not going to get offended, maybe things would change a little bit. I don't, you know, I've often, you guys have heard me say for years, I don't care what you wear to church, just wear something. And that was tested on one particular evening years ago when a guy came in with a robe on. And thousand plus people there, and an usher came up and said, you know, there's a guy sitting back here. And it wasn't just a robe, folks. It was striped, multicolored. I mean, it wasn't like beige or taupe or brown or blue. It was colorful. And they said, we're 90% sure he doesn't have anything on under it. And I said, how do you know? Well... I said, just tell him to keep it closed. (laughs) Long story short, at the end of my message, he gave his life to Jesus. And here's what he said. And this is strange, because he was a very strange individual, and probably, I'm just saying, how many of you know you've got to be strange if you're wearing a striped robe to church? (laughs) And... He said, I was laying in bed, and you know he was tormented. He said, I heard this voice, go just as you are. Thank God he had a robe on when he heard that voice. (laughs) But what would have happened if we would have been offended that he came into the house of God in a robe? You see, many people are offended when they come to church. They have this expectation of how people ought to dress, when in reality, this doesn't matter. What matters is what's in here. That's how come I've never had a dress code. 
Because I believe that people like that man might miss eternity if we judge him or are offended by what he's wearing or what he's not wearing. Now, that doesn't set well with religious crowds. But, you know, I feel kind of honored because Jesus didn't hang with religious crowds. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful, dishonoring, but my Christianity, my faith is based on what he did in me, not what I'm doing for him. Individuals who deliberately decide not to take offense lead happier, more productive lives. And lastly, a fool contributes nothing worth hearing and takes offense at everything. Some of you are going to be offended that I said that because you're that person. <laughs> I'm offended that you said I'm that person. Let's keep it going. It's just a cycle that never ends. <laughs> there is no way out of that vortex. But the reality is you will live a happier life. And there are times that people don't need to hear what you have to say. And I said this on my call Wednesday night. Most people are more concerned about being heard than they are hearing. If you would be less concerned about being heard and more concerned about hearing, you would be a learner and a grower. Because what you hear is going to help you grow, good or bad. If somebody says something mean, I can grow through what you say because I'm going to get bigger than what you said. Because greater is God in me than what you just said in this world. See what I'm saying? You'll live a happier life if you're not offended. If your spouse says something in a moment of irritation, what's your first quick response? Because if you're a fallen person, which we all are, our, our initial, especially if you have the gift of sarcasm. I'm not sure it's a gift, but the tendency is a quick response to what landed on you in a wrong way. You can discipline yourself to, put it politely, shut up. That way you don't start a fight. There are times, and I've learned that, listen, I am like the worst candidate to preach this message ever because I've lived it most of my life. I live most of my life as an angry person. Not really an angry person, but a person who responded angrily to a lot of things. And my vow in life, when I got in my 50s, I said, I don't want to live this way anymore. I just, not for the sake of everybody else, though everybody else around me is happier. I'm happier. Because I just don't get mad. Recently, one of our daughters asked my wife, does he ever get mad? I, I really almost got into pride. Because <laughs> I, I never heard that before. You know what I'm saying? Does he ever get mad? And, and she said, I've only seen him mad twice, and I thought, you haven't seen mad, baby. <laughs> but, but I realized in my life, that no one can make me hang angry or offended. I can choose to be angry. I can choose to be offended, but it's not your fault. If you come up to me after this message and say, that message really sucked, I'll look at you and, thanks for, thanks for the input. At least you said something. But it, it doesn't bother me. I used to go home and beat myself up after every Sunday. I can't believe I said that. I should have said this. I would have torment for hours every Sunday afternoon. Message after message, I shouldn't have said that, and I did anyway, and I do it again next week and the next week. And finally, I just went, I'm just going to say things. <laughs> Don't mean to. Heart's good, but, you know. <laughs> so, we've got to do something 
in order to grow in God. And I'm going to close with this thought because I'll never forget, I was a new Christian. And a guy by the name of R.W. Schambach, who was really one of the great preachers. And when I say preachers, wasn't a teacher, he was a preacher. He just, he was really good, he was clever. And I'll never forget this line, he's, he's a big guy. And I mean, he had a bay window. I mean, and he wore a vest that accentuated the bay window. And he, he stood up, he looked at the camera, he said, What's greater than God, <laughs> meaner than the devil, and will send you to hell? I'm just a new Christian. I'm trying to figure this out. What's greater than God? <laughs> I thought there had to be some profound answer for this. What's meaner than the devil? I, I, I can't think of anything meaner than the devil. And will send you to hell. He goes, nothing. <laughs> Thought I'm glad I didn't pay for this education. <laughs> Nothing's greater than God. Nothing's meaner than the devil. And doing nothing will absolutely cause you hell. We're called to go from glory to glory. That means we can't do nothing. We have to do something. And I believe one of the things that blocks us from growing is living a life of offense. Because you're not thinking about God, what God has for you, the blessings of God. You're not thinking about those things. You're thinking about the people that you allowed and gave authority to to corrupt your attitude and your soul. Pastor Jesse or any preacher will tell you there's no way that we can stand up here and preach truth without being criticized because it lands on different people on different weeks that we don't mean for it to land on you punitively. We want it to land on you redemptively. I preach things that I go home and go, man, I preach myself into having to fight through this. I don't like, because I'm preaching to me every time I'm preaching to you. And I'm li- I've got to live this. And I trust me, I promise you today, I will have opportunity after opportunity. Because I preach this. And God's going to go, okay, close your books. Get out your pencil and your paper. Test time. And if you don't pass the test, you got to test again. Well, there you have it. This is the introduction to the series. <laughs> You see, I'll give you just just a teaser for next week. The devil's not after the dreamer. He wasn't after Joseph. He was after the dream. Because the dream foretold what would happen for Israel to be saved. You say, well, why is that important? Because you're going to die, but that doesn't mean your dream has to. I think of Walt Disney. Disney, Walt died years ago, but the dream lives on. The dreamer's gone. But the dream continues. You see, we're called to pass the dream to the next generation because the dreamer's going to die. The messenger's going to die. The singer's going to die. But the song doesn't have to. The dream doesn't have to. The message doesn't have to. If we treat the message right and the content right, this can will be thrown away in about five minutes, and that sucker will be drained dry. So, when you're done, 
You hope that the content transitioned to somebody else and it continues to go. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for caring for us, dying for us, that we might live, giving us your spirit to empower us. That you're able today still to do more than we could think or imagine according to the power that's at work in us. It's your power. So, Lord, may there not come a day, not one, where you're dethroned by someone else's opinion, criticism, judgment. Stay on the throne of our soul, the throne of our heart, God, that we might accomplish everything that you've put in us to accomplish. And we know that if we're offended and bitter and unforgiving, that's not possible. So, Lord, we just choose today to be self-disciplined. To cast all of our care, our worry, judgment, offenses on you. Because you carried those to the cross and we give those to you every day. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a prayer with all of you that have not received Christ. To give you the opportunity today to do so with a prayer. We don't expect you to be perfect after this prayer. We don't expect you to change immediately. We want you to come into the family. And we want you to grow. And we want to walk side by side with you as you grow. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say things that shouldn't have been said. You're going to do things that shouldn't have been done. You're going to wear clothes that probably shouldn't have been worn in the eyes of religious people. But we don't care. We care about you and the content of your soul. God has a plan for your life, a call on you. And we're going to feed that plan. And we're going to feed that dream. We're going to encourage you. So I want you to pray this with me, all of us in here. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to suffer and die for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And today I declare I am forgiven. I am a believer. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to simply right now text the word SAVE from your phone right where you're at to 405-500-1310. It will be a moment, the most powerful digital moment of your life when you choose to declare to all cyberspace, I believe your thread will go through hell and your name will be there. I'm born again. I'm a believer. Just text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. It will do wonders for you. I promise you declaring your faith in Jesus Christ. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.